This week on Wealth Track, why Wall Street's number one economist says things are moving from really bad to better. The markets often work on the change in direction, you know, change in rate of change. And our company surveys have now improved for the fourth, for four weeks uh, here through uh, May. And uh, unemployment claims have come down. All these are from horrendous levels, uh, but they've improved a little bit. Ed Hyman presents the evidence this week on Consuelo Mac Wealth Track. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Funding provided by Morgan Le Fay Dreams Foundation, Clearbridge Investments, a Leg Mason company, Miller Value Funds, Royce and Associates, Matthews Asia, First Eagle Investment Management, Strategus Asset Management, and Eaton Vance. Hello and welcome to this edition of Wealth Track. I'm Consuelo Mack. No doubt about it, the stream of economic news has been terrible. The pandemic-induced shutdown of much of the U.S. economy, Europe, and other countries has resulted in stunning declines in employment, income, sales, earnings, government revenues, and overall economic output. It's also triggered record-breaking amounts of stimulus from central banks and governments. This week's guest has been following them all and joins us with a summary and update on what it means for the overall economy businesses, consumers, and investors. We are delighted to welcome Ed Hyman to share his outlook with us. Hyman has been voted Wall Street's number one economist for an unprecedented 39 years in Institutional Investors Annual Survey. No one else even comes close to that record. He is vice chairman of Evercore, a leading independent investment banking and advisory firm, and the founder and chairman of its Evercore ISI division, where he leads its economic research team. For months now, Hyman's must-read daily reports have described the condition of the global economy as being in freefall and the policy response as massive. Just recently, however, there was a slight change. The economic data was still really bad, but it was also better. I began the interview by asking him to first describe the really bad. Well, Consuelo, it's, it's great to see you. I think the world of you, and in a situation like this, you really treasure your friends. But it's really bad. <laughs> Not our friendship. <laughs> but uh, the unemployment <laughs> Thank rate... Thank you for that. Uh, the un- unemployment rate, uh, you know, jumped uh, like 10 points, and employment dropped 20 million, which is inconceivable. But that's what it did. And the PMI numbers... Uh, that have come out. Purchasing uh, managers index. Yes, all around the world, purchasing managers indexes have collapsed. For those of us who are not economists, what does that signify, the purchasing managers index? What does that tell you? That the economy is contracting at a a vicious pace. So our estimate uh, is that the second quarter GDP is minus 40% quarter to quarter, you know, second versus first, 
uh, at an annual rate. And China GDP in the first quarter, not the second quarter, was minus 35. So these are horrendous numbers. And they are creating havoc, like we had negative oil prices, because demand just collapses. And uh, every day now we are uh, collecting negative reports, like layoff announcements or bankruptcies. And they're running about 20 or 30 a week. A lot of them now of layoffs and pay cuts are occurring at state and local governments and colleges. So, Ed, Ed you're, you're describing these horrendous numbers. I mean, we've, we've never seen anything like this before, right? I mean, does it compare to the Great Depression? It's totally different. I mean, the Great Depression, uh, I'm sorry for people that think it's the same. That was really bad in terms of human suffering. This has been going on for two months, not for years. And so it's, it's very different than that, but it's very steep. And you're seeing bankruptcies. You know, companies are having collapses in sale. And S&P earnings, uh, as of now, are down 41% already. That's for the second quarter. And that's a consensus estimate. It's not my estimate. It's what companies are telling analysts that are then. So earnings were 167 last year, $167. They're now below 100 for the second quarter. So that's one way you can see how bad it is. But obviously, you and I and everybody watching this show knows uh, many people that are experiencing extreme difficulties. They own a restaurant or own a casino or own an auto dealer or air, airline. I mean, it's, it's really uh, been horrendous. Uh, and it's, what's the amazing thing, and you and I will talk about it today, is, is the stock market is going straight up. Right. But before we get to that, I know that you're tracking, you and your team at Evercore ISI are tracking two waves of what's going on in the economy. One was the first wave. And so what the horrific numbers that we're seeing now, the statistics, does that represent the first wave? When did that end? Has it ended? So that first wave uh, is when they stopped the economy. People stopped flying. They stopped going to restaurants. Uh, they stopped buying cars. They stopped shopping. The economy stopped. And a good portion of the economy went to zero. Uh, now, that may be coming back a little bit now, but in the wake of that, you're getting a second wave of bankruptcies, layoffs, pay cuts, cuts in CapEx. We're counting about 20 or 30 of these a week. There have been almost 700 in the past two months. And so I worry uh, that uh, after this first wave starts to go out, you get a second wave uh, coming through the system. Uh, reflecting all these announcements. So that just seems like overwhelming evidence of a, of a real economic problem. Uh, You're dead right. But there are two other things that work. One is that we're reopening the economy. We're reopening the economy. And, you know, being uh, in New York or the New York area, you don't feel it so much. Uh, but I spoke uh, yesterday uh, with a friend of mine in Dallas. I said, where are you? 
He said, I'm in the office. <laughs> he says, we never really shut down very much. He says, our office, I told him our office is completely shut down. There are a lot of places uh, that have started to come back uh, to reopen, you know, say even like California and right. uh, Germany and Australia, I mean, and Vietnam. I mean, it's all over the world. You shut it down and now they're starting to come back a little bit. And, and that could produce uh, a pickup in the economy. Uh, you've seen an increase in miles driven, which is the reason that uh, gasoline prices and uh, Amazon uh, has a, a data series they put out when people check to check on a trip. Uh, and that's increased significantly as people are going out in a lot of parts of the economy of, a, of the country, uh, traffic has picked up some. And you're having companies uh, like McDonald's or Starbucks uh, say that you know, sales have picked up uh, some. And we have these company surveys, as you and I have discussed uh, many times, and they're now up for four weeks. Uh, you know, a little better in retail, a little better in restaurants, a little better in autos, uh, about 10 different sectors of the economy are a little bit off the bottom. So the reason for that, uh, in addition to the reopening, is you have enormous stimulus in the system. Right, how massive has it been? And is it just plugging holes or is it actually encouraging uh, you know, business growth? It's plugging holes at the moment. It's also supporting asset prices. Uh, but to answer your question, Consuelo, uh, around the world, uh, we've had, or in the past year, 190, almost 200, central bank rate cuts. And the Fed's balance sheet uh, in the past seven weeks uh, has increased about $3 trillion. Uh, it's going straight up. And the money supply in the U.S., which is about 15 trillion, uh, is up 20 percent. Uh, and you have fiscal stimulus, probably two and a half trillion. And I would guess there's still another trillion coming. It'll be difficult. But uh, so we have every kind. You have rate cuts. You have quantitative easing. Uh, you have fiscal stimulus, and it's working together to create a surge in the, in the money supply, which. You can see traffic, you can see empty stores, uh, you can see distancing, you can see that sports aren't being played. You cannot see the money supply. It's just the money supply that you and I have in the bank. Uh, and in terms of quantitative easing, it's the Fed's balance sheet. And in terms of interest rates, uh, you might know what they are, but they've, they've dropped enormously. So you have, I would guess, about three to five times more stimulus now than we had in 2008 and nine. Mm -hmm. And has that made all the difference? It's so interesting, Ed, because I have not heard one person say that the stimulus that we're seeing from the central banks uh, is wrong. I, I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. There is a certain bonding that's occurring right now. It's not universal by any means. And people are always saying, well, they should have done that, or this was too late, or too much, or... But there is concern, uh, I hear often, uh, what's, the, what's the end game of all this? Right. What's the deficit gonna do? 
uh, when, when you have a $10 trillion balance sheet for the Fed, uh, what's the end of that? Uh, but uh, I'm a pragmatic realist, and I hope you will have me back on your show a number of times before we have to deal with those issues, because I think they're issues in the future, uh, not now. And right now, you know, we're fighting you know, a virus, and we should bring up here uh, that there is a scientific aspect of this. And each of us should answer the question, what are the odds that we get a therapeutic? What are the odds that we get a vaccine? Obviously, vaccine is get it and time. Uh, but I would say that the odds of a therapeutic, uh, they're about 50-50. So every day, there's a chance that there's a new therapeutic that will help address uh, the virus. We don't, we don't have one now, but there are a number, uh, like a Gilead, uh, that might uh, be helpful. And you also have testing. That would be helpful. So there is an end in sight to this, right? And, and is, is the end in sight completely dependent upon a vaccine, testing, you know, whatever. So it, it really is, it's out of the realm of the policymakers. It's in the realm of the health labs, right? Yes. So, uh, Consuelo, you just said something that uh, I think is often overlooked, but is extremely profound. We know things are really bad now, and people are having a very difficult time. Uh, but there is an end to this. It, it may be a year out, and there probably be many, many bankruptcies and more layoffs, uh, much suffering. Uh, I worry a lot about the income disparity, uh, the wealth disparity uh, in the employment report that came out uh, for April. Uh, it's clear that the lower income people are doing a lot worse than the higher income people. Uh, but there will be an end to this. <laughs> I hope I can make it through. Uh, but that's one of the reasons the stock market uh, is doing as well, because in an economic collapse, there's no particular end to it. You don't think of a silver bullet that's going to improve the situation in the housing collapse. Uh, but in this case, uh, there's a chance we get a therapeutic, and there's a good chance we get a vaccine and at the moment, uh, it looks like we might be getting it sooner than later. So sooner might be the end of this year as opposed to the end of next year. How do you explain the, the, how well the market's done and the recovery that we've seen since the March 23rd lows? It's a dire situation. And there are many things that could go terribly wrong. Uh, in response to that, the Fed has pulled out all the stops. It's also true on a global basis. So I'm on the phone with people constantly every day. And they say, well, Ed, there's these problems. Uh, consumers won't spend. Companies will go out of business. They'll have pay cuts. Uh, what do you think of that? I say, well, I think that's just right. Uh, but so does the Federal Reserve. Uh, and you're getting fiscal stimulus. I think you'll get more fiscal stimulus uh, we already have two and a half trillion, and I think you'll have more uh, because it is a bad situation. 
and we're going to want to have some insurance for what happens after this, after we get a vaccine, how can we get the economy to recover in a more complete fashion? So I think that the combination of rate cuts, uh, monetary stimulus and fiscal stimulus is the first reason the market is up. The second reason is really embodied in your question. Is there an end to this? And people say, well, yes, I guess there is an end to it. Uh, and then the, the hard one is, well, when? And uh, this, this week, uh, or last week, uh, I raised our GDP forecast. I have been the most bearish forecast on the street. We had minus 50 for the second quarter, and we had earnings going down to $80. Uh, which S&P earnings. S&P earnings, I'm sorry, to $90, excuse me. But that was way, way off of anybody else's forecast. Uh, and I just raised that uh, from minus 50 to minus 40. Well, I'm like, whoopee, you know, <laughs> minus 40. Well, that's better. <laughs> but that's better. Uh, the markets often work on the change in direction, you know, change in rate of change. And our company surveys have now improved for the fourth, for four weeks uh, here through uh, May, and uh, unemployment claims have come down. All these are from horrendous levels, uh, but they've improved a little bit. And then I have been wrong on the, when do we come back? I thought we would come back in July. Uh, I, I didn't think we would come back in June. But, you know, here we are. And uh, there are a lot of areas that are coming back. There's definitely a risk uh, that you have a second wave on the, not only on the economy, but also on the virus. Uh, my leaning is that the, we will get one, but it'll be small. It seems to me that we, we don't understand the coronavirus, but we know more about it now than we did. So I, I think when you get that second wave, it might be smaller uh, than, a, than a, a, big, a big one. Uh, so that would be, that's a risk uh, to the market here. But I, I will say that going back to the beginning, policymakers have to be taking this into account. You know, the Fed cannot be doing policy on where the puck is. They need to go where the puck might be going. And it's possible that we get a second wave uh, and the Fed will, and fiscal policy also, uh, will wish they had another uh, tax cut or you know, more uh, forward guidance or more aggressive uh, monetary policy. But I will so say- So is, your, is hmm. your sense that the, the Fed is very aware of this and that they're gonna yes. be proactive at this point? Yes. Uh, sometimes I get upset uh, with what the Fed is doing, but now I've, you know, I, I cannot, I don't feel any uh, anxiety uh, about what they're, what they're doing. But I do think they'll, that they will continue, maybe the important thing here is they will continue to be easy. So the Fed's balance sheet is going straight up. It's up three trillion to six, almost seven trillion. And it will be 10 trillion by the end of the year. Nothing is for sure, but that's, pretty darn likely uh, that the balance sheet will be up there and uh, global short rates will be lower and you'll probably have another fiscal stimulus package. Your team's 
reporting recently has been that the second go-round is much more difficult. Uh, I think they're dead right, uh, but I believe that the situation uh, is going to be much more difficult. And uh, even if the economy is starting to improve now, I mentioned we're counting basically 25 negative announcements a week, like a layoff announcement, a pay cut, a bankruptcy. Uh, and that's going to be very difficult uh, for Republicans or Democrats to argue against uh, a you know, further stimulus. And then after you get to the stimulus, you think about what happens in 2021 or 22. And one of the things I worry about is that if the economy grows, say, 5% a year, you have to do that uh, till 2023 to 2023. <laughs> you have to do that in 21, 22 to get back to where we were in 2019. And again, I worry that, you know, there are lots of companies and people in our economy that simply cannot do that. Right. That, and we've counted about $10 trillion so far in fiscal stimulus around the world, about two and a half here, but there's been, you know, lots of fiscal stimulus outside the U.S. Maybe that's the unique aspect of this compared to, say, 9-11, this is truly global. <laughs> right. I mean, do we have the wherewithal from a stimulus point of view to keep ramping up at these numbers? Again, I'm a, I'm a pragmatic realist. And right. at the moment, uh, it's not the issue. Uh, right now, bond yields are below 1%. Inflation is hard to find. And so you're not. Uh, being tutored to not do stimulus, both monetary and fiscal stimulus. Uh, so I'm an observer of conditions, and right now the condition is to go ahead and stimulate the economy. Uh, on an earlier call, uh, when this thing was just ramping up, you said that you had a gut feeling that something might emerge from what's going on with this economic shutdown that no one is anticipating. Has that happened? Are you still worried about that possibility? Totally, totally worried. You know, I would, I think the odds are well over 50% that we get at least two more, maybe three more financial crises. The first one we got was the collapse in oil into negative territory. You just cannot cut the economy off like this and not have a few whales float to the surface. Is the market way ahead of itself? Do you think the market is very vulnerable? So I'm really putting my weight on the massive stimulus. Uh, there was a, a dear friend of mine and maybe an acquaintance of yours, Marty Zwei. Sure. Uh, who's no longer with us, but no he was a dear us. friend of mine. And uh, his one of his claims to frame was uh, don't fight the Fed. And whenever I'm with people that think the market's way ahead of itself, I, I show them the money supply or the balance sheet or interest rates. So I think uh, that the stimulus does a lot to explain. And then what you said uh, 
Is there an end to this? And you have to say, well, yes, there are more than most situations. Final question, Ed. One investment for a long-term diversified portfolio. What should we own all some of in this pandemic environment? So, like I mentioned, uh, in this setting, uh, sometimes you can see what you really believe or don't believe. And uh, it seems to me as though what this is showing is that the so-called FANG stocks or tech stocks like Microsoft or uh, Apple, they really do, uh, Amazon, they really do have a better mousetrap. And, right. and, and they're doing great. And there are other companies that are just cannot get out of their own way. Uh, so I would favor, at this point, uh, those sorts of companies. Ed Hyman, such a treat to have you on Wealth Track again. And thank you so much for joining us and giving us so much of your time. Consuelo Mac, my pleasure. Thank you. At the close of every wealth track, we try to give you one suggestion to help you build and protect your wealth over the long term. This week's action point is reassess your expenses. COVID-19 has been a wake-up call on so many levels, both personal and professional. From a financial point of view, we have all had to do without. Eating out, takeout, entertaining, partying, shopping, and many luxuries that we used to regard as necessities. Well, maybe not. This is a good opportunity to convert some of our forced frugality into voluntary savings and build up our cash reserves and financial security for any future crisis. Well, next week, we will hear a contrarian investment approach for a financial thought leader and innovator Rob Arnott of Research Affiliates. In this week's extra feature, I asked Hyman to tell us what permanent changes he expects to be making in his life as a result of COVID-19. To see other interviews with Hyman and other thought leaders, go to our website, wealthtrack.com. If you are so inclined, feel free to connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and our YouTube channel. Thank you for engaging with us today. Have a super weekend and make the week ahead a healthy, profitable, and productive one.